Hey, welcome to Shit We Don't Talk About, powered by Helix Interactive. On this episode, we talk about sex, baby. Who doesn't love a good salt and pepper lyric, right? And what better guest to chat with than master coach, sex therapist, and licensed therapist, Leslie Gustafson. We'll be discussing sex and intimacy and how to take charge of your experience. This episode is for all, no matter how you present. We'll be serving up some great insider tips. Just the tip, you know? Tune in. It gets good. Here we go. Hi, Leslie. Hi. How are you, girl? Oh, it's good to see you. Good to see you. So I was just, yes, yes, because we were in the same town and it's been COVID. So this is actually the first time I'm like, I can see you, see you. Yes. Not the bottom half. Which is hard to even believe, isn't it? (laughs) I know, right? Everything seems a million miles away. Like You're my neighbor. Right. (laughs) Although things are starting to uh, break up, which brings a whole new anxiety for everybody. So if you're listening to this, this is in June of 2021. And uh, we're now just crawling out into the the new world. So today, today is, as I mentioned before I hit record, today's sex day here at the house. Charlie's probably going to listen to this and go, wait, I wasn't told about this. Nobody told me he's either going to fare well at the end of the day or not, depending upon how the content goes. (laughs) Jury is out as I'm speaking to you. And then another friend today about the topic of sex. And we don't really have an agenda on this. As you heard from listeners, as you heard from the intro, Leslie is an expert. I mean, (laughs) you have, you've been involved in all the things you have a podcast, Mm. you and your husband are involved in this. You've been on shows. I saw you were in Huff Post. I mean, so you've, you, my thing for a very long time, my life work, right. For 30, you know, I've been in the field of psychology for 34 years and started specializing in intimacy and sexuality in 2004, but it is my life. It is my mission. It is what Uh, lights my fire every single day. I just, and I'm a bit of a geek around it all, right? Like over the years, all this stuff just is in your head. And then you get to my age and you're just like, you just want to give it away and you just want to pour into others Mm. and you just want to make use of it all. And it's so fun at this point. (laughs) I bet. I bet because you have all the knowledge, you have all this experience, not only your own, but talking with other people. So Mm -hmm. why not share that out? And, And I would say, with, oh my gosh, I feel like in the last five years, we've had so many huge changes in the world. Of course, Mm. we've had Me Too, we've had women speaking out more, uh, we've had Black Lives Matter, we've had all these different changes Mm. of shaking up the old patriarchy, which formed a lot of the ideas around sex. So have at it, just free form on me for a little bit. That's a great launching point. Um, When I think about women and I think about sexuality, I think about what women have had to traverse and are still trying to traverse to move into uh, not only a place of permission for themselves, but a place of empowerment. Mm. I mean, once upon a time, we only had a male model of sexuality, which says, you know, I feel horny, I want sex, I act on sex. And we have lived by that forever. That's Masters and Johnson years and years ago. And and women weren't even considered in the research with regards to their individuality and how women work. Then we have this Western culture that doesn't like to talk about sex and sex education historically has been really uh, clunky um, or taboo. 
Um, and yeah. then women, of course, you know, really traditionally aren't even supposed to like sex. Like it's right. Awful, right. Lots of permission to men, men are sexual, but women, what do we say about women? If they, if they dig it or if they like it, they don't even get to really talk about it because of how that is seen. So it's so layered for women, the obstacles mm. um, that they have been up against then there's the objectification of women, right? I mean, it's just like, God. Endless. It, endless. And it's a such a rabbit hole. so complicated for them because mm -hmm. it is so layered and their histories have been um, difficult or there hasn't been enough information for them. And then one in four has been traumatized. So, uh, by the time, you know, by the time women start, you know, um, hopefully coming into the idea that sex is for them first and foremost, it's for them. It's a mic That's drop. Message, probably the number one message I want to get out today is sex is for you women first and foremost. And it's a part of your whole personality and your wholeness. So we can't compartmentalize it. We can't, we can't have it cordoned off into the recesses of our of our experience psychically and then expect to uh, enjoy sex like sex be freed up in the sexual experience for ourselves right but their women just need so much permission to go after what they want and to know that you are sexual and it is good and and what do you want it to be what is it for you? What's it been? How can you break free from what things might've held you back personally, societally, relationally? Familiar, the family. Yes, the family oh, of origin. Religion. Religion, right? That's a whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> it is a whole other show. Well, and I, I, I have a lane that I've worked with a faith-based community within my work. And, you know, that honestly, they got it the worst. They got they, it the worst. They really <laughs> did that. I've been diving a lot into, an, uh, into purity culture mm. be, because of Rachel Hollis. I keep bringing her up because I'm just so aggravated by her entire existence of uh, shaming and uh, toxic positivity there. She's mm. part of the purity culture piece. Mm. And, um, I know it from my own experience of growing up in a religious cult, no joke on how skewed your mind is. And then to, there's mm. such a control, yes, a control thing as well. And then yes. you see the numbers of abuse that comes out of condoned abuse that comes out of so many situations. So that is a whole, that other, is a whole, that's another time we'll do it, that. It is. It is. So, so we'll put a, a pin in that as well. But what's interesting in, in talking when you when listening to what you're just saying also in some ways though, we've gone so far and then come back. I mean, we literally just had uh, in the news yesterday, a young woman who changed her speech up at her commencement and totally launched into this whole thing about abortion rights and uh, having rights over her body. And I mean, it's, it's going all over the news right now. I'll post a link in the show notes. So it's so interesting to see in some ways, how, how much backwards we've gone about having the, I can't remember what the word is, is having this uh, sovereignty over mm. your body. And I think mm. that literally does stem from that base knowledge and that base part of knowing, like you said, it's for you. I love that phrase because yes. I mean, yes. we've got, 
for you. Shame. Yeah. Shame, uh, lack of knowledge, uh, not talking and fear, fear, fear. Yeah. Layers of fear about being a sexual woman, layers of fear about sexuality in general, Mm -hmm. uh, that, and, and the anxiety for many women that shows up around wanting to be sexual so often it is about him taking care of him, Mm -hmm. making sure his needs are getting met. And that message is historical for women. Yes. And so this idea that it is for you can be um, not only unnerving, it can be exciting, but it can also be scary. It's daunting. It's daunting. Uh, and a lot of times the women I've worked with, you know, they're going through the motions or they're taking care of him. And you get to this, speaking of midlife, you get to this midlife stage and they're fine with discarding it. Yes. Because it was never really good for them and they never really liked, it, and it was never really about them. And now it's going to get a little bit more challenging to keep sex alive in midlife and on. And they're just like, they're good. They're good to be done. Yeah, good to go. Nah, good to go because it was never about them and for them, and it was never highly pleasurable. They never walked a- away from a sexual experience enough times where it was a win for them, regardless of their partner. Yes, right? they didn't walk away, and it was mutually pleasurable so much so that they want to repeat that. Let's do that right. Let's do that again. <laughs> I I think too that it's that what for women what they like is filtered through the lens of what the men likes. And I literally think that you can get super confused. Well, but you like this, you like it. No, it's like you liked it. And I have an interest, a funny little tidbit. A couple of years ago, actually, this is probably about 10 years ago, I started to, um, I got involved with, oh my gosh, I just forgot the name of it, but it was a, a, a sex toy company. Um, <laughs> oh, I can't remember. Oh, I'm going to remember in a second, but you know, you would do the party, you have the parties and there would be all Pure the jams. Romance not that one, that the other one, but it's just, it's just like pure romance, but exactly same, same format. And so you'd have the parties and the jams and jellies, toys, bells and whistles, whatnot. And, um, and it was such an interesting observation to sit back and yes, it was kind of the teehee kind of thing. And you need to have these parties and I bring in these, these chunks of all this stuff. And it was so interesting and refreshing and saddening to see, um, the conversations that I would have in the sales room, you know, cause then you would, you know, you'd go through the show and, um, and only women were allowed. And mm. I realized at the time I was kind of doing sex education for mm. a lot of women. I remember specifically an older woman coming into the room and who'd never had an orgasm. Right. I kid you friggin' not. And I just was so saddened, but I, I felt like I was at least have a conversation to say, like, could you, you need to find out what's working for you. And no, you don't need this giant, scary dildo that I would run away from. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, if right. I, don't bring that thing near me. That, that, right. that looks painful. Um, so, and then a young woman had come in as well and she was probably in her early twenties and, and was literally talking about anal sex and all this. And I said, but do you like it? And I right. said, you really need it. And that kind of traumatized me, that conversation. I was like, oh my gosh, are you being forced to say that you actually like this when that's not something you ever broached? Yeah. Um, and look, listen to that question, the simple distinction of, but do you like it? Mm-hmm. Is it something you want to be doing? 
Yeah. And you feel you have to do, or you're mm. supposed to do, or somebody with more sexual experience. Oftentimes the guy is driving the experience. Sure. Adapting and you're people pleasing and you're just going along to, so to just completely like discard, if you will, in, in, in our, in our minds, the partner piece mm-hmm. and have it be just about our own individuation in this arena. Yeah. And taking up and honoring ourselves and saying, I want this for me. And I want it to look like what I want it to look like. And a lot of times that's like, how do I work? How does sex how work? How does that work? That's right. <laughs> What's that do? <laughs> the education and yeah. the freedom to discover uh, and decide and learn, you know, what we like. And then to be responsible for our own experience. Mm-hmm. And and, and, I, and I think that issue of responsibility in the bedroom goes both ways. I know a lot of men who feel responsible for the response of their partner and making sure she gets somewhere mm-hmm. right? where everybody's responsible for themselves. Right. Find your map first and then let's all get on Google Maps together and go on this journey. And this yeah. is my, this, this, here's first. my pit stop. Yeah. Interesting. You're right. I, I, I can imagine that that is something that occurs is that men are like, and I'm all over here trying to, they're trying to, to Jenga this puzzle. Right. But she doesn't necessarily know because mm-hmm. she hasn't gotten enough permission and education mm-hmm. to really say, I'm going to go for it and I'm going to make this mine and I'm going to learn how I work. And pleasure is for me. Mm-hmm. Pleasure is for me. This whole thing is for me. Yeah. And I want it to rock. And mm-hmm. when women have really alive, freed up sexual lives, that affects their whole life. They start to free up everywhere. They They start to have more voice. They start to be able to have control and mastery over the whole of their relationship because there isn't this shame based thing Mm -hmm. in her psyche. That's just sort of tucked away and not, not, not realized. Yes. I just had a big, bigger, huge picture revelation. When you said that I love the idea of all of this being connected together, community, women doing better in their, their homes or personal life, their business, everything. Yes. It, an empowered woman in the bedroom is an empowered woman everywhere. It, it's, it's the truth because it truly is to be able to have expression and in I, the most sacred, vulnerable space. Yes. And makes you, it a lot easier in the less sacred, less vulnerable spaces. It it does because then it, it it equates out, and I got so excited. Don't you you think too that that being so empowered because boundaries are also a piece of this as well. Like yes. not only knowing what your likes are, but then where you don't want to go. Right. Those those that's an ecosystem that goes together, and I yes. think once you have that too, you can also sidestep and not worry about the people that find the idea of empowered women being frightening because they can't even get out of their their small mindedness to see Mm. this is what's good for the world. Yes. It can provoke fear because now we're reorganizing right roles and we're reorganizing, you know, the social structure when it can be threatening, it can provoke Mm -hmm. and people can kind of like, Oh, I don't know. Aren't they supposed to be in a certain place? (laughs) But you know how I feel about that. I mean, we, you know, Oh, 
being we, mad now. <laughs> we, we, we could. And I, I think it's interesting. I just watched a documentary the other day. It was a filmmaker in, in the 50s, and he was talking about sort of where a lot of the psyche came from of people that were like my grandparents' age that um, grew up in, in the depression, that Great Depression. And, and they were going through it of just these 10 years of absolute everybody being dirt poor and just in, in mm-hmm. such a, a mindset. And then those people were raising this next generation who then it kind of came into that beaver cleaver. Like we want everything to be perfect now that the economy is yes. good. And yes. I mean, just talk about these generations of pain that have right. been just repeated over and over and over again, yes. um, based on what you thought society thought was supposed to be good. This is what you're supposed to like the beaver cleaver. They had the whole thing with the, um, well, I'm a beaver cleaver girl. Like that yeah. was my history, you know, mm-hmm. very, um, moral, very, you are. uh, you know, we didn't talk about sex in my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't like, I literally had a little book that my mom, that was birds and beads at the, I think I was 10. Oh, wow. That she sat down birds and bees. That was it. Wow. Yeah. That was sex education. Right. And so <laughs> I'm making the hand motion. <laughs> there was no freedom. There was no permission. There oh. was no education. And my experience is not at all uncommon. No, right? not a bit. Who Same had this mine. beautiful sex education or understanding that sex education is from birth on and we can have open conversations and mm-hmm. that we can our children all along the way. And yeah, we have to wrestle with our own sexual story in that, but we need to. We need to know as women and and people and men, what our sexual history and story is, what shaped us in this arena? How did we get where we are? Right. Because if we didn't get to a place that sex is good and I love it, then something went awry. Mm -hmm. Something went awry. And it's, it's more often than not that, that things go awry just based on our, our history. And I know for myself coming of age in the eighties, gee, bus, like early, I graduated high school in 83. And I I look back now at some of the films, like I love John Hughes films, right? I look at something now and I'm horrified. (laughs) (laughs) 16 candles. What the fuck? I mean, it's, it's just that, but that's what we thought. That's what we thought sexuality was. Uh, on a quick night note, I just have to tell you how much porn annoys me sometimes because porn like talks about big boobs all the time or shows big boobs, but then they never show in porn them paying attention to the actual boobs, which is a huge thing. I'll just put it out there <laughs> for me. Like, oh my God. I mean, that's like, you know, another clitoris, right? I said it folks. <laughs> and I just get annoyed that, that, that I'm like, see, that's not how it happens. You know? So I get a little annoyed right. about that too, but where it's that's about- our lane of education is porn, right? Which is yes. co- again completely m- masculine mm. model. Now there is ethical yes. porn now, and there is feminist porn now, and there is a lot more, you know, broad ranged, real life kind of porn. But Google it, folks. Traditionally, right? Traditionally, it's not a good educator. No, <laughs> no, not for how it really is. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Awful. So talking about that with, with how you grew up. So share with me some of your experiences of the shame of your whole, if there was shame or the excitement or how that was for you being a sex educator for this long and, and still, still in this world, share your experience. 
Wow. That's a big question. I, I mean, know. as far as I um, can think back, um, if I want to be really personal, I remember being in dance class as a little girl with tap dancing and we were all in our leotards. And I remember looking at the crotch of my dance teacher and feeling shame, mm. like I'd done a bad thing. Mm. How did yeah. I think that was a bad thing? Well, it was just that there was no it just, there was already guilt and shame around sexuality already built into my psyche as a young girl, just because there wasn't openness because I was in an overly moral home and because it was all about being for me perfect and good and happy. So that was a bad thing I'd done right there. Mm-hmm. Guilt and shame. I mean, that is, that is kind of broad. So what it did, my lack of sex education and my sexual naivete, uh, and went for a very long time. And then I became, you know, um, uh, a faith-based person. And my education then was really about restriction and uh, waiting till you're married. And I have a, had another layer then about uh, how it's not good and it's not okay. And I got sick, honestly, and my, I just wasn't well. I wasn't emotionally and, and mentally well, being perfect and being good. Uh, and I was not a sexual person. And, and, and my naivete uh, probably set me up for my first marriage to a, um, a sexually compulsive, uh, traumatized man oh, um, no. who was a porn addict unbeknownst to me. Mm-hmm. And so wow. that marriage uh, uh, ended up ending quickly, but I was never enough for my sex addict husband. Which How traumatizing. Quickly, right? Because I wasn't enough. Not sure. only did I not even get this whole thing, which mm-hmm. I did enjoy the, the experience of sex and I did work and that was exciting with him, but he was never satisfied enough and it was always my fault. Ew. Um, and then he acted out and then he was unfaithful. And then at the seven year mark, that marriage ended. Mm. That's about the time that I got very interested in my own healing and in sexuality um, and began studying and specializing in sexuality. Wow. Uh, and so not only did I see the need for the couples I was working with to be able to deal with that arena and there isn't adequate education at the graduate level around sexuality. So you really have to do more, more education. Sure. So it's not available happening in my personal life. Mm. And then also I felt ill-equipped to really help couples uh, in this topic. Right. I just, yeah. So there was my own journey and my own empowerment alongside educating uh, and, and experience of seeing lots of people over time and all of their histories Um, And to say that my empowerment and my overcoming uh, has uh, greatly affected the work I do would be an understatement. I feel strongly about sexual empowerment because of how critical it has been in my own history. And Mm -hmm. I am not unlike so many women so many women who have been harmed in this arena and didn't even know that there was something awry, you know, I do. I was was just going to say it kind of happened to me. And then I went, what? That was blindsided, traumatized. And 
being able to sort out mm. what was me and what was him has been really, really critical. And, and it still shapes the work I do because ultimately being in control and command and empowered in our own individuality is the work. It, it is, is the work. And it's, so it's the goal in the work. Yeah. So really kind of an impoverished sex education set me up. I think it set me up. I love how you are phrasing things that such as that of, of impoverished of that's exactly how it was as well. So thank God you were able to do the work and not only you get out do of the it, work, but right. And then take that. Cause you know, they're always talking about, and you know, it's the mother, the necessity is the mother of invention. This was it too, because you're like, I don't know what this is about, but just the, right. the fact of be able to, to sort that huge ball of icky out. Cause that's how I'm going to describe it. Um, yeah. you know, be, because all the, the training and the indoctrination that you had got of like, well, this is exactly how it works out. But then to take that even further, I absolutely agree with you that there are so much for for people, I will say, yeah. but they, they go through it and go, oh, that, and I think for women my age, your age, we're in this the same age range, um, it is, it's really like even like talking about the movies when you're like, oh my god, that was messed up. Like I thought that was a normal sexualization, right. or you know, just yeah. trying to get the girl drunk, convince her to <laughs> to have sex. Oh my god, you know, I that's mean, encouraged. We learn wherever we can yeah. because we are sexual and we are curious and we want to know and we will find it. But if it's not accessible to us, you know, we, we, we find the education wherever it comes our way. Mm -hmm. It's not always good education and it's mythical and or even really sensationalized or not accurate, but we need to know and we want to know. Yeah. And being able to have permission around do, know, discover, go after it, learn, grow, become sexual, fully, wildly, whatever it is for you. <laughs> however, however that works for you. And I think whatever, however that works for you is the best phrase I'm applying to everything in my life, because I, I think that first of all, takes a lot of time off your head. Um, like that this time consuming of worrying what about what other people are doing. And again, if you are just grounded in whatever works for you to get yes. will for a second, I do feel like you're also going to attract a lot of that. You're just emitting this excellent vibration. See what I did there? Uh, <laughs> yep. Putting out the, the attractor for people. And here's what I'm thinking mm. too, with the work that you're doing, especially with couples, how cool is that? The byproduct of that is going to be people that it can actually then teach their children one, like, and by example, like showing if you know, like, this is how, this is what love looks like with, with mom and dad, and then also have healthy conversations with them around sex and break this yeah. cycle. Yes. And I have been, I've, I've, moved out of private practice in the last two, two and a half years and, yeah. and work uh, in, a, in a, a coaching model and a transformational program. And I'm working exclusively with women now because here's my thinking. When we empower the woman, she can actually influence and affect all of the systems, which means, yes, she can be a wonderful sex educator. Yes, she can have incredible influence around those in her world, including her partner. Uh, one woman can change her whole system uh, and affect the couple. Uh, 
Doug and I, of course, have helped couples forever and a day. And we, mm-hmm. you know, he's still in private practice doing a little bit of that work. But now I have found in this chapter in my life that I want to be completely niched out mm-hmm. and completely focused on women only because that's my deep heart and that's my greatest passion. Uh, and and I just can't do it all. I want to be really focused. Yes. Well, on first of all, the women I work with, which is yes, so fun. And the work I'm doing right now is so fun and so alive. I love it. Well, listen, half the population is women. So so we've got that going. And then I, I do think getting that niche down and what, what you're just saying is actually part of, of my brand where I talk about female buying power. Uh, nice. with the work that I do as uh, my, I call it my opinionated lifestyle blogger, <laughs> <laughs> super opinionated, but uh, because women are making all the buying decisions, this makes absolute sense of what you're saying in your business as well. They are yeah, controlling they are. their, their sphere around them. Again, don't get scared about this men. This benefits you. I'm just saying, but uh, that, that actually goes with that same mindset too, of what the, it, buying decisions, personal decisions, life decisions, family decisions, yes. why not empower them? Yes. I was just thinking back to television where I first met you, I think when we were on the Fox set, right? And I yes. remember the audience that we were always speaking to is women. Absolutely. Because it's women who are watching and it's the woman audience who is the buyer. And and I loved that because, you know, that's, that's, that's my people. But I think that's where we first met, wasn't it? On Fox? I think it was because yeah. we were on, um, uh, uh, Kathy J yeah. and uh, was it Chris Parente? Yes. Cause yeah. you were on that show too. And I had come, yeah. that's right. I forgot about yeah. that. I know we know each other through so many circles, but for sure, but that is, you're totally right. That is the, that is the audience. And, and again, no fear around that. I just really wish kind of the world would wake up more to the equitable piece of how many decisions we're making and then not have fear around it. But that's what we're both working on. We we can't not accept that this is where it's going. The empowerment of women and women getting broader and having more influence has been going on for some time. And has it affected, you know, that traditional kind of model of men and women? Absolutely. It has, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's a whole nother episode to talk about men trying to like grapple with all these shifts and changes and the kind of displacement that they are experiencing because now what now, what, what does that mean for my, they need to evolve too. Yeah. Yeah. Because women are going, you know, getting on fire, which they need to and must, but it doesn't need to be scary and it doesn't need to be fearful, but it is going to change the system. And men need to be aware that this is occurring and they're evolving is going to be necessary as things unfold. And a man who takes up his own growth around that, I mean, that's a win. <laughs> that was a moment. Just that, now. <laughs> that was a, that was a mic drop moment. And you're absolutely right. And so instead of like fighting against that system and, you know, it's trying to spawn upstream, so to speak. Yes. Or just, fight it or turn it into this big power struggle. It is yes. going this direction. And what does that mean for men's own progress and their own evolving? Because it is opportunity for evolving in both directions, Right. Yes. Again, with the and ecosystem we need to, everybody needs to evolve. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets around their own work, their own personal growth, their own looking at themselves, their own figuring out what they're about. A lot of people try to get around it. It's problematic. 
but ultimately we can't not do our own work. We can't not transform. That is a, I, I think people try life hacks or try to, to, to get yeah. around it. But when you do spend, and we, we were talking about before we hit the record button that I'm going through this journey of being sober curious. I haven't been drinking for a bit and uh, it is interesting part of that doing the work like that. I'm, I'm sitting in that as well of like, okay, let's take a look at some of the things. And I'm not saying that's for everybody, but this is my version of it. It's mm-hmm. interesting of like, like, well, how are you, how are you doing that work? Cause nobody else is going to be able to do it for you. And it will keep following you around by the way. Yes. <laughs> Whatever's going will. on. Yes, it, it moves will. with you. <laughs> it, it does. We can't escape it. We can mm-hmm. see it and grab hold of it and honor ourselves and take care of ourselves and go after, go after really meaningful individual and relational lives. Uh, or we can ignore it, but you're right. It, you, you can't. It goes with you. It does. So we, uh, we've been at about a half an hour here. I want to just divert for a bit before we close up. And this again, could be a whole new show, but let's spot talk about perimenopause, menopause, Mm. postmenopause. I mean, that's a huge part of the journey as well for women. And you and I are both postmenopausal. We talk about shame and don't you know, don't want to talk about it. I've, I've literally gotten into the powerful crone stage. I'm reworking that word crone. Cause I don't think it means what everybody thought it used to mean. Nice. Um, so I, I think there's so much power in that too, of, of embracing how you change sexually with this time of life. Yes. I, I midlife for me has been remarkable, uh, in so many ways, mm-hmm. but what can happen and you know, let's think about what midlife is, right? When we're in midlife, we are out of that uh, invincibility of youth. We can actually see that perhaps life will end at some point. <laughs> and we can see that we have a history behind us. Uh, and for many women, myself included, there becomes this opportunity to go, and now what? Right? right. And here I am. And what, and what do I want? And I think... Uh, what happens hormonally, which is fascinating, is you know estrogen drops and progesterone drops, and all of those were necessary um, uh, childbearing, caregiving hormones. And when those fall out, women have an opportunity, and they often feel less like they want to caregive and nurture and take care of others. Uh, partly because the hormones are doing that for us, right? And yes. so they start thinking about what do I want for me beyond nurturing, caregiving, and taking care of others. It can be an incredible time of empowerment, but yes, there are major changes going on. And if you don't know about the hormone, like, whoa, she's not even the same person she was before. <laughs> right. Right. And it, the hormone piece, which I'm learning about, because yes. as we, we know, I'm, I'm two weeks into uh, a new system of, of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. Easy yeah. for me to say, uh, <laughs> and this company that I, that uh, has makes a pellets is called Pelicom. And so I've really dove into the, the hormonal piece of it. But what's interesting, Leslie, even as I feel like I'm you know, all that in a bag of chips and knowledge. I just didn't even realize until I got the blood work done, how flatlined those were. And I I think the piece that's really hard for people is when you don't realize that there's a a chemical, there's an imbalance going on. You also make that your responsibility, even though you have absolutely no control over it. 
Yeah. And it's not just a sexual issue. It really is mm. a, a, an experience of well-being at that point because yes. hormones function for our overall sense of wellness and vitality. Uh, and, and yes, they af- affect sexual desire and sexual function as, as well. Uh, but when they drop out, most women have all sorts of symptoms. I know that I did. I had increased anxiety. I didn't sleep yes. as well. I had hot flashes. I even had a period of migraines that happened there for uh, a while. Um, mm. uh, what's interesting as the hormones are dropping out, and I would encourage every woman to definitely check into her hormones if she cares about feeling great yes. and feeling vital and maintaining her sexuality and her, her physiology around that yeah. to uh, do something about hormones. I have, I take a, you know, I, I use a bioidentical cream in order to kind of keep estrogen elevated anxiety down and the changing of the inner lining of the vaginal wall is changing in midlife as well, which means it's starting to thin and atrophy. Yes. And sex can become more uncomfortable, painful, or shafy. And then you don't want to have sex at all because it doesn't feel good anymore. So, I mean, the reason to take care of the physiology in midlife is profound. Um, What's interesting is while women tend to, if they've done their work, I know for me, psychologically, I'm in a more alive, empowered, freed up place. And I want my body to go along with that. (laughs) Right. Pack your bags. We're going on a trip. Come along with me on this journey. Right. So the health and wellness piece needs to be addressed. And the symptomology can be really disruptive, right? And affect partnerships and everything. You don't feel good. You cannot feel good. Brain fog, uh, lack of clarity, feeling more anxious and wondering, why am I so anxious? What's wrong with me? Right. Right. Especially if it hasn't been what's wrong with me. I'm a a capable, competent, empowered, psychologically minded who's done her work. And I have this anxiety that's so uncomfortable all the time. It's jarring. (laughs) Right. And things can be done. Yes. And we were saying before today's actually the, the anniversary of one of my first times that I, that I realized I'd been going through the, what is wrong with me? And it was in 2016. And I'd done an interview with someone who uh, has ADHD. Um, Peter Shankman had this group called faster than normal. And so then I was like, Oh my God, do I have ADHD? And I hadn't realized that I was, I was in perimenopause because I was having these bizarre night sweats. That was odd. Mm -hmm. And so then you're not sleeping well, which can compound a lot of things. But for me, those were my, my initial ones were the, the night sweats. And then the brain fog and then with the doing the hot flashes. And and let me just tell people, and I, I know you probably said this before too, this that everything is different for everyone. So that's where you're yes. getting to know yes. what your weird yes. is is also pretty yeah. key. It's it's yeah. not um you know keeping track of of these uh of these symptoms is 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 really crucial. Yeah. And I think the need to normalize it all. And ultimately the way we um as women attribute and how we think about this life stage is the most important. Mm-hmm. Are we seeing this as, as a, a, an opportunity, a time to like really come into our own and really take care of ourselves? Or are we seeing it as, oh, yay, I don't have to do any of that anymore. So the attribution around midlife 
For some women, it's a time of loss and grief because their role as mothers, as caregivers was so significant. And so they really feel sort of stuck with now what? But what we do with midlife and what we make it and how we perceive it is everything because we can have great effect on it if we want to. Yes. And understanding how we're seeing it, right? Is this a buzzkill? Is this a bummer? Is this a great thing? Is this my time? What is it? What are Mm -hmm. we saying to ourselves about it? And what do we want to do with it? Do we yeah. want to feel great? Do we want to have, you know, passionate lives? Do we want to be empowered women? Do we want to let go of the grief and the loss and step into the new and start discovering what our futures might have for us? Mm. Oh, this That's is an, exciting. This is a big, exciting time. It, it is, but, but, but it's you're laden with lots of discomfort. It is it, uh, shame, discomfort, non-normalization, the yep. stuff that, that we, a lot of us, what worked before doesn't yeah. really work now, needing to change positions, needing to get really good lube in place. All the, all the empowerment tools. Make the it jams, work. <laughs> the jams and jellies. And I think, you know, also finding and, and asking the questions that is such, I had, I had a whole episode on medical gaslighting. So, you know, really yeah. getting, you know, finding people that are going to listen to you as well, because I, I have yes. to say, I That's feel like important term. I've never even heard that term. That's brilliant. It's it's really prevalent. It's not, not, you don't have anything. It's just you. Yeah. It's just you or this is normal going on here. (gasps) That piece, this is normal is I, I will, I will let you know that, that I, I think my journey to, to this point now could have happened a lot quicker if the person I went to in 2016 didn't just say, this is perimenopause, here's a prescription for an antidepressant. I kid you not. I know it's, it's, that's what I got. I I got similar, Mm. which was in, you know, in my medical system was just kind of like, this is the way it goes. And here's a couple options. You really have to advocate for yourself and and know that there, I just want to say there are options and things can be done. And it yeah. isn't just, well, just deal with it. And, or, you know, that's just the way it goes. Ugh. I, right. It's yeah. Right. That'll, that, that right. gets me right. fired up in your head. Let's it's not just that one. Ooh, that one don't do that. even drop kicks and mofos. And when, <laughs> when you, even if you're in a paper gown, just grab Crazy woman, it's just in your head. It's just, right. yeah. And get, go dress in the bathroom and get out. That's <laughs> what I say. We're going to put some links in the show notes too for uh, ways for you to find uh, the, the right doctor about menopause. Uh, right. Leslie, I know you have a ton of stuff that we can drop on people as well. So I have two more questions. Well, one more question. Okay, fine. Um, I have questions. Z- no. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Ask me, AMA. Ask me anything. Um, anything. What's your favorite swear word or, or, expletive phrase when that you just love to bust out once in a while? Um, lately fuckers <laughs> with like emphasis on the F you fuckers. I've I like how you said lately. I was raised, I was raised in a home that, oh my goodness. The only time I ever heard my mom cuss was when the, the, um, she would say shit when the, the, um, dryer or the washer would stick, you know, the <laughs> breakdown, she didn't want shit under your breath. And then it was just like, oh my gosh, my mom said shit. She muttered so it. For many, many, many years, I that's the only thing I let into my vocabulary until I had a child. <laughs> <laughs> 21 so years now. Affecting the art of cussing language. Oh man. 
and the psychology of it too, because he, he will tell me about the psychology and the importance of cussing and what it does for us. And I'm like, I think he's like, taught me some things. I love that <laughs> that you're learning you're learning the what uh, what good feeling things my son yes what good feeling <laughs> things are released when uh, when a good expletive gets out there. What's but your I, favorite one right now? Cocksucker. Oh wow! Yeah, and I that only, has a lot of edge. That has it, a lot. Of it's edge, um, I, I, and it's usually when I'm frustrated about driving, and the reason why it's right. Going to say that tends to be when mine shows up. Yes. And the reason why it's showing up more now is because we are getting out and driving more often. And so are other people. And so now, now it's back to the bullshit of traffic and, and, uh, and dumb drivers. So that's really, <laughs> mine what also shows mine also shows up when I get uh, toxic social media coming my way when I get roles and that kind of stuff, which has been, it's been a year of that. Yes, ma'am. Of I'm like, right. look at this shit here. That's kind of how it gets, <laughs> it gets started with, with that. And then it just rolls on. So, well, I will have, uh, I'll have everything in the show notes of how to reach out to you. And thank you for sharing though. This conversation is so oh, important and you gave us so many good like nuggets. We're just getting started. There's we just are. so many layers and so much more that needs to be said. But if I could end with one thing to say to women, which is, Yes, one, you are more than enough. And two, this sex is for you. More than enough. And that's all we need. Thank you. (laughs) Take care. That's perfection, by the way. I love that. (laughs) I hope you found this conversation refreshing and eye-opening. Leslie will definitely be returning as a guest. Make sure to subscribe to the Smart Sex Podcast if you'd like to hear more of Leslie's amazing wisdom. We'll have all of her links in the show notes. If you like this episode, please do all the things. Like, share with your friends, subscribe, and leave a review, especially if it's a good one. If you really like the podcast and you want to show it, head on over to shitwedonttalkaboutpodcast.com, click on the Patrons button, and become a full-time supporter of the podcast. And if you want your very own podcast, but you don't know where to start, go to helix-interactive.com and get yourself some. They'll help you out. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Bye.